gather. So we're glad you're here today at Grove Central. Welcome to Grove Central. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Eric Matoy, Pastor of Grove, and we're thrilled you're here. Uh, today's a special day. Uh, we, we call it 7 and 7. And so essentially what we do is we have seven communicators within our team from our church that get to communicate and share what God's been doing in their life or just what God's put in their heart, uh, maybe through a season they've gone through or just something they've learned. Um, all of them at some point have either led a group, been a part of a group, they're part of a team. Uh, some have been with us since the beginning. Some are newer to the team. And uh, we just thought we'd be able to let you guys hear from them uh, what God's doing in, in the life of our church. And so we, we're ending groups now. And so sometimes the, they'll talk about some things that God did in their life through the group. Others, they'll just be talking about what uh, they've experienced this season. And so I'm thrilled to be able to introduce all of them to you. So Josiah's going to kick it off. So Josiah, if you want to come on up, he's going to start it off. So essentially, I have a. We get a table, so we get. Yeah, I got the table. Um, they'll have seven minutes, and if they go over seven minutes, we will buzz them and tell them, all right, time's up, next person, all right? So. Yes, and you guys got tomatoes, right? So. <laughs> no, it's going to be good. So Josiah's up, and then he'll introduce the next guest, and then I'll come up at the end and I'll uh, share just a little bit. So, all right, I'll turn that to you on. All right, cool. I do have to apologize. I am not prepared because. He said seven in seven. I thought he said seven on seven. I thought we were playing basketball. So I apologize. That one little letter in the beginning really changes a lot. So um, I guess I'll just try to make something up real quick or I don't know. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. No, no. I just kept, I kept calling it seven, in, seven on seven all week. And my wife was like, no, it's seven in seven. You're not, you're not playing sports. You're, it's not, you're not on a team. Anyway, but cool. Anyway, again, my name is Josiah. Um, I've been coming to the Grove for a little while three years, my wife tells me. Um, so, yeah, we've been coming to grow for a while, <clears throat> and this semester, this last semester in small groups has been pretty impactful for me, um, personally. Um, we were in, well, I helped with a, a workout group, a men's workout group, and then I was in a relationship group, and then we helped with a um, student group. But the main focus, even, all those, even though all those groups were different, it was focused around relationships and building relationships. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm here to talk about today. So my, the title of this message is, Who's in Your Squad? Cool, right? I don't know, squad up? I don't know. Hashtag squad goals? That's what the kids say. I don't know. I'm just saying stuff I read on the internet. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, so who's in your squad? I mean, all of you could probably think, like, you could probably count on your hand, like, who are your closest friends. You better be able to count, like, a few close friends, right? Um, if not, then that's, this message is for you today. Okay. <laughs> um, so who's in your squad? So a little bit of background for me is that I've been in the military for 10 years, right? So the military is very team centric and, um, my, the, the job that I, when I joined it, I was an infantryman. And what that is, is basically the guys that, you know, learn combat and all that stuff and do all those tactics and I guess cool stuff. Right. Um, but the main thing was working as a team. We never worked individually. We never said, okay, you, you're going to do this mission by yourself. That never happens, right? In fact, um, leaders are taught that when going into a, a, a military operational environment is that you need to make sure that you have um, three-on-one, basically. So three good guys versus one bad guy, right? It's always three on one. It's never it's, those are the ratios that we're taught to have. If it's less than that, we're like we're out of here. There's too much risk involved. There's too much. There's not enough. Um, it's just too much risk involved, and and our lives are worth more than that, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so who's in your squad? Three. Okay. So um, and even from the beginning, God has kind of planned this for us in our lives, right? He said even in the beginning in Genesis. Uh, 2.18, he said, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Remember that word, suitable, okay? Not just any helper, not just like some, you know, just some random person. Someone that is suitable for that task, suitable for that person. And that's what we're here to talk about today is who is suitable for you in your life and then who is not suitable for you. Because God wants you to have people in your life that are suitable for what you're going through, for what you're battling, for what, what is going to attack you, for what is going to come, right? Because you can't just have anyone next to you when you go into battle. You can't just have anyone next to you. You know, you have to have someone that is just as trained and prepared as you are to fight that fight, right? And it's kind of, this is where I, it's all centered around relationships and building those relationships and building the correct relationships and feeding the relationships that need to be fed and then maybe cutting off those relationships that need to be cut off, right? We've all had those before, at least I have. So, so... 
there's something in whenever you're 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 planning out a tactical uh, a tactical mission is you are gonna you know calculate something called a force multiplier. Force multiplier is something that is like okay, what equipment, what personnel do we have that's better than them, right? So it's multiplying our force. It may not be more people, but it might be people with special skills or people that have done this before, that people have that have been through this before, people that have the knowledge and that are trained um, and utilize the correct equipment. So what are some force multipliers within our Christian lives, right? We need to have people, the correct people, right? We need to be in our word. We need to be, you know, you know, seeking God, uh, um, building that relationship with God, and then building that relationship with God with others too. That's the really important part because you can only get so far if you're going to be by yourself and try to build a relationship with God. You need to have others around you to help build you up and to help catch you and be there like, oh, you're about to fall. Let me catch you, right? Um, so because there is an enemy out there, right? And he is real. And we have to be prepared for that. So we have to be trained. We have to continuously train ourselves, continuously be ready for that. Um, so the, what kind of I think I feel like encapsulates this is, is Galatians 6, 1 through 3 in the message version is what I've put on today. It says, it says, live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day is out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens so that you complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Whoa, right? Crazy. So if we are not there ready to help others, not just always, and then also letting people in to help us, if we're not there ready to help others, it tells us here that we're disobeying Christ's law. This is a law that he's given us, right, um, to, to help others. And if you think you're too good for that, then you're, you've been deceived, you've been lied to, and the enemy has, has a, a foothold on you. So we need to be there for others. That's something that I really struggle with. I don't like people to help me. I don't like to ask for help. I don't really like people to get close to me. Um, and and uh, at first, right, I don't like people to get close to me. I don't like people to ask for help and stuff. But that's something I've had to grow through and realize, okay, you know what? I can become a better person so that you know when i ask for people's help if i have more people around me i can become a better person so who is fighting next to you are they right for the fight right are they right for the fight in your life that fight you could change that who's next to you when you're battling blank what are you battling what are you going through you can change the next slide this is what we should be running to every problem like or this should be us right so like walking to every problem like the avengers like oh we're gonna go get thanos or we're gonna go conquer this whatever 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 obstacle is in our in our way. I'm a big uh, a Marvel fan, so a little bit of a dork. Um, um, so who's right for the fight? Oh, I mean, oh, they're gone. They're gone. They're busy. They got other things to fight. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Um, what are you battling? And then another point that I want to make real briefly. How am I on time? One point I want to make real briefly is you are not what you are fighting either. Okay, so don't don't accept. The defeat by saying, "Oh, I'm I am just depressed. I am addicted. I am I have anxiety. No, I'm battling those things. I'm going to conquer those things. Have victorious language in your in your uh, vocabulary. Um, that's about it, really, for me today. Um, one script, one uh, challenge I want to send off with you is is to get into a small group. This is what's helped me, and it's helped many other people before. Get into a small group and find your squad." All right, so that just be out there to and have the right people around you and circle yourself with those people so that you can conquer whatever battle you're, uh, that comes your way. Um, that's it for me today. Uh, yeah, but next up we have Veronica Gonzalez, and um, yeah, so here she is. <laughs> I think I have one. Check, check, testing, testing. Oh, this is the com- this is the community water. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, Good morning, everyone. My name is Veronica. Um, I thought I'd start off by sharing that public speaking is probably like one of the most uncomfortable things for me, Um, almost crippling sometimes. Um, We started coming to the Grove in 2016, and I remember I'm. uh, We started coming to the Grove in 2016, sorry. And I remember Pastor Eric saying something along the lines of being uncomfortable is not always fun, but it's always necessary to grow, right? To to learn and to grow. Um, In 2016, I think that was like the high of my Christianity, right? It was like the first time I experienced God's presence and his love and his faithfulness. 
And um, I remember, like, wanting to invite every single person I came in contact with to the Grove, just so they can experience what I was experiencing. Um, And then I I really think it was in preparation for what was to come next. Um, The following season was more of a season of, like, um, self-reflect. And that was hard. It was hard to really, like, dig down deep into the things that I kind of pushed to the side. Um, And I just remember going through this depression for a little while, and I remember God just, um, the enemy, like, basically giving me, like, a let out. Like, if you stop doing the things of God, then I will, um, I'll leave you alone. So I made a deal with the devil, and I said, you know what, if that means that I'm not under warfare, then then I'm good with that. Um, But I quickly realized that being in a bad situation with God is much better than being in any other situation without God. Um, We switched to that slide. Thank you. Um, There's a scripture that has kind of been my lifeline. It's found in 2 Corinthians 12.9. I read it for the first time this week in the message translation, and it's actually 7 through 10. Um, And this is what it says. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angels did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I, I didn't think of it as a gift, and I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, my grace is enough. It is all you need. My strength comes into your own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was Christ's strength still moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size. Abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I can become. Can you, can you like, I'm sure we can all relate to Paul, right? Like we all want those, um, for things to be easier, right? But easy doesn't require faith. Um, there was a time, um, in 2018, our daughter got really, really sick and, um, she was sick for about a month. Um, there was, she essentially stopped eating. Um, she was in a lot of pain. And what ended up happening is one of the doctors gave her an antibiotic for something that actually um, ended up coming back negative, but the antibiotic helped. So we were like, okay, it's fine. Um, but it came back a year later. And within 24 hours, you know, we just prayed and we said, God, please help us to be her voice. Um, within 24 hours, she was in and out of surgery and in recovery. And I just remember this being, like, one of the most difficult times for us as a family. And in that time, God not only, like, kept our child safe and protected, right? He strengthened our faith. He helped us financially because in 2018 we didn't have um, health insurance. My husband had just switched jobs. 2019, when she needed surgery, we were, we were taken care of. Um, we didn't only have the support of our family but from our Grove family as well. Um, and I just couldn't imagine, you know, um, I couldn't imagine not having God on my side, right? Um, can you imagine how uncomfortable Jesus was on the cross? In Luke twenty-two forty-two, Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Even in the most uncomfortable place for Jesus, he was still, he still had faith that God was going to, Work, work it out for his good. Um, I just want to leave you with this question. Um, I don't know what you're asking God to remove in your life or what you're just trying to stay comfortable with, but what if it was the only thing God could use to get your attention, change your circumstances, or strengthen your faith? Would you still have him remove it? Thank you. <laughs> I guess that means the mic's on. Um, Good morning, everybody. 
Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is David Berry, and I've been coming for, to the Grove for quite some time, um, except, honestly, during the time of the pandemic, right? Um, my wife and I started coming back recently. We were tuning in via YouTube or, um, yeah, YouTube. And so um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Um, I titled this um, The Grasp. And I'm going to humble myself before you and um, talk, um, take these few minutes to share about um, how COVID-19 impacted me and the grasp it had on my life. Um, Although I watched and I heard about this in the media, which was my first and biggest mistake, um, I still didn't know what this was all about. All I heard was time and time again is pandemic, sickness, and death. And I became very concerned for my family. I thought I had to put my super dad, super husband, super grandpa hat on and go into overdrive to protect my family. I felt helpless and fearful, completely opposite of what my God, our God, um, teaches us in his word. And I knew better, and I know better. I don't know if it was just me, but I lost focus of what God had instilled in my heart. And I found myself veering to the left, And then veering to the right, where I should have kept going straight to God. Looking back, I couldn't believe the grasp it had on me. I tried not showing my fears to my sons, my wife, my daughter-in-law, my brothers and sisters, and even others. As a matter of fact, I took time to reach out and call people to see how they were doing. Because I cared, but the grasp still had me. Because of the virus, I started working from home in March 13th of 2020. I thought this would be very, very temporary, right? And we would be back to normalcy within just a few days. Then came lockdown. After lockdown, and what I thought was going to be temporary, short-term, turned into be long-term. Then one of my sons, to make this heart pounding even more, one of my sons um, tested a few times for the virus, and thankfully, these tests came back negative. Then later on throughout the year, another one of my sons fell ill with what we believe was the flu. Man, heart pounding. I was just spinning. My life was just spinning. Um, My wife and I, we embraced in tears many times and had many tearful conversations about what was taking place in the world and in our own family. Then there were times we prayed, thanking Jesus for his, for his love and continued protection. And, and, and let me back up a little bit. Even during this time, my wife and I would join in hands every morning and pray. We pray for others. But the graphs still came And got me. Even after our prayers. This was a trying time for me for sure. And beyond the shadow of a doubt. I know it was a trying time for a little bit of everybody. Um, I believe. I can tell you this and be honest with you. That I was wearing a mask of peace. 
Now, I'm not talking about the mask that everybody wore for the longest time. And some still wear today. And that's all right. But I was wearing a mask of peace around others. But when I was alone, the mask came off. And the fear and the anxiety settled right back in. There were several times when I was alone at home that I literally fell to my knees, tearful and broken, praying out loud as I listened and watched worship videos on the television. And in one of those times, it hit me like a rock. A revelation came to me and was spoken into my heart, saying, Don't ask where Jesus is in all of this. But rather, ask yourself, where are you in him? Boom. That's all I could say. Like an explosion in my heart. There it was. And this is where the thing started to change back into my life to where I was before all this came about. I started getting back into the word and less into the world. That's where I was, was in the world. The media had me. The fear had me. The anxiety had me. I started reading Bible plan after Bible plan. And in one of the Bible plans I read, titled Anxious for Nothing, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, was repeated time and time again. And it reads, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God will transcend. He says it might. He says it will transcend. All understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I just love that. Um, I don't know if it was just me feeling this way while I was in the grasp of this pandemic. However, if not, and if there are others here today or watching online, I just want to let you know that you were and or are not alone. And although there are many scriptures that really spoke to me during this time and helped me through getting out of the grasp of this pandemic, I want to leave you with this one scripture from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope And the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all I have. I just humble myself before you. Thank you. Um, Right now I want to call Maureen Nash is up next. I didn't um, prepare an outline for them to put up on the screen, but I want to speak to you about things that I've learned in my small group, freedom. And uh, it's very important because my whole Christian life, the way I have been living it is under bondage because I, I believed the words that were spoken to me when I was very young, they were negative words. And those negative words can have an effect on you in your adult life and in your Christian life. Even though you know that Jesus died for you, you know that he loves you, my perception of that was I had all of that faith and I believed all of those promises for people around me, but I could never really 
apply them to my life. And I need this group, it's freedom. And I tried to get in this group for three years. <laughs> it was full. So when Miss Sincerity announced this group in church, I registered for it right away so I wouldn't miss out on the group. I knew God had something in this group for me that would free me and help me to live a Christian life and not just exist because that's what I want. I want, I want to be, um, I want to live the way Christ intended for me to live, abundantly, exceedingly abundantly, experiencing every single blessing he has for me. So what I learned in those negative words that were spoken to me my entire life, that it was sin for me to believe those because that's not what God says about me. So in the group, and this is just in the recent weeks, I learned that I need to confess to God that it was a sin for me to believe those negative thoughts. And then I need to repent when I start believing those negative thoughts. When something doesn't go right, I need to repent. And I need to replace them with the promises and the positive things that God says about me. And just speak blessings over my life. And so what, I had a bunch of scriptures that I gave sincerity this morning, and then I was praying about it before I came to church. So Tabitha, you can put the one up, <laughs> just the one, because they are changed. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And I read it in the Amplified, and it said that the Lord receives me into his family. So these are the verses God gave me this morning. And this is something that I, I am going to do every morning to replace all the negative thoughts that I've had about myself all my life. The first one is first is John 1.12. I am a child of God. John 15.16. I didn't choose God, but he chose me. First Peter, First Peter two nine, I am a chosen people and I am God's special possession. John fifteen fifteen, I am a friend of God. Ephesians two nineteen, I am fellow citizens with the saints. My friend in my group told me, reminded me that I am a saint, and I am of God's household. And then this last one I learned, again, in the small group. It was telling us how to, how to pull out special nuggets when we have our quiet time each day because I'll read every morning. I've done it for years, read the Bible in a year, every single morning. But then, like an hour later, I don't remember what I read. So it, it suggested that you just pull out a special nugget of something that God showed you that day. And when I had small group last week, I said, this is the nugget God gave me today. And and it's, it is what's in this freedom curriculum, that I need to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of Christ is for me. Not just you guys, it's for me too. And that's in Ephesians 3.18. So I just pray that you would uh, consider getting in this group because it's really changed the way that I perceive how God feels about me. And it's not just for everybody else. It's for me, too. That's I don't know who's next. Lucas. Lucas. Good morning, everybody. Um, give, give me a second here. Uh, I'm going to get set up. I have my wonderful parents here with me. Um, we don't get to go to church at uh, the same church, which is awesome, I think, because we're you know, doing two different ministries in two different churches, so it's super awesome to have them here this morning to support me. Um, 
And um, so, yeah, I'm just super happy to be here and just to be in front of all of you. Um, my title for this message today is The Good Work Based on the Incredible Story of Nehemiah. Um, so I'm going to start off with um, how many of you um, think that you want to make something better, um, that it's not good enough, that, you know, it's just something that we want, um, that we just want it to be better because we see it, we see the improvement, we see what's there, and we just know, well, you know, it can be better than it is, you know, but, you know, you don't know exactly where to start. Um, because um, if you can go to the next slide, um, Craig Rochelle says this, uh, the burdens that you bear often reveal the calling that you embrace. And I love this quote because, you know, sometimes we don't know where to start or what to do. Um, but if we embrace what God is calling us to do, he'll reveal, he'll put the burden on our heart to just begin to go and begin to move forward. Um, the thing that uh, tends to upset us, the things that drive us and compels us to, a, to want to be different, you rarely ever know when you are going to make a different, uh, a significant difference. You don't know what that may be. But God is calling us then to walk in faith, um, he, which, um, you know, he, he wants us to be faithful with what he has called us to be. Um, going to my first point, it says to seek God faithfully. And in order to do this, you know, when we get this big idea, when we get this big picture, you know, God says, you know, let's, um, let's pray about it first. Because before we can do anything, we have to pray about this. And I remember... Um, four years ago, I remember God had given me a vision, and he said, there's no youth ministry at the Grove Central. And I remember praying God, like, what is it you want me to do with this vision? So I remember I started a small group, and I remember the six people that first started. It was Trent, it was Gabe, it was Jared, it was Danielle, um, and it was Hasiel and Emmanuel. And I remember we would meet at my parents' house. We would meet every, once a week. We would meet there, and we would have this amazing small group. And I remember seeing that vision of, you know, God, like, this is awesome. You're doing some great things, but there is more. And I remember if I didn't start that vision, then it wouldn't have come to pass. And going back to the story of Nehemiah, when God had called him to rebuild the temple, um, the, the wall, he wanted... Um, he, he was a nobody. He was a, um, a cupbearer. So basically, he would taste the wine for the, um, for the king, and that's all he would do. That's all his job was. But God gave him a vision and said, you need to rebuild a wall for my people. And I, I look at his story there, and he began to pray. He began to pray in that time, and it was super awesome because that led him to make a journey to go rebuild this wall. And God has called us um, to do the same thing in our lives, I think, that we, if, if we see the change, you know, we're going into the movie theater here pretty soon, and there are so many ministries that need to be had. And I think if we begin to pray about those things and pray, God, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to fit in? And where do you want me to make the change and be so that people can come to you? Where do you want me to be in that? You know, let me... Um, let me be a part. Let me start praying about those things so that I can do those things. Um, so then, um, so when they went back to the wall, um, or when they went back, when he went back to Jerusalem, there was no economics. Um, there was no like jobs. There was nothing to be had there. There, you know, they had to start everything from scratch. They had to go and do um, everything from scratch. It was basically rebuilding everything. Um, and I feel like um, um, there, um, if um, we need to define the vision clearly, um, I skipped the verse there. I'm sorry. Um, so that's um, we need to know that when we go to, to this place, we need to be prepared to what is to come. Um, in Nehemiah, Nehemiah 2:5, it says this, um, and I answer the king. If it pleases the king, and if the servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. So when he got this vision, he just went along, and he said, I'm going to do it. And no matter what was in his way, um, he didn't allow it to stop him. He stood up 
um, and said, um, it might as well be me because no one else is going to do this. It might as well be me. And then he said, you rarely know when you are in front of something significant. You don't know, you know, this wall was in shambles and pieces, but as, as he began to go and envision this, God raised up then people to go and rebuild this wall. And they built this wall um, in sections. Every, every tribe in, in Jerusalem built a section of the wall, and they came together. And what was super cool about that was um, they, they came together in unity. And it wasn't just one person doing it, but it was everybody coming together. And, you know, it's crazy. So that was four years ago. But, you know, then Josiah and Tabitha came along um, about two years ago. And I remember it was super cool because then the vision got further and we prayed together and we said, God, what do you want this youth ministry to be? And now we're taking 23 kids to camp this year. The first year we took five kids to camp. So it's super awesome to see what God is doing, you know, in the work. And, you know, you guys are all a part of this. You guys have, you know, you all have potential to be a part of the growth of ministry of what God is calling you to do. There is so much work that needs to be done, um, but we have to be willing to do it. And as these, um, as Nehemiah began to have these tribes um, come together to build, you know, there was opposition. There was things that would come their way, and you know, th- because you know the other tri- the other countries around them, they didn't want them to build. Um, how am I doing on time? I- Okay, awesome. Okay, so anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my last point here. Inspire people passionately. Um, I really feel like each and every one of you have a place in this church, have a place for what God is calling you to do. Um, I really feel like, you know, there's so many jobs in this church. There's, you know, hospitality, there's media, there's student ministry, there's worship team, there's, you know, um, coming and setting up and tearing down um, there's growth track. There's so many ministries, um, and God is just calling you to say, "Come now." Um, so my challenge for you today then is this: um, be a part, do something about it. Because if you don't do something about it, it's not going to get done. Don't think that you know just because we um, we're here and you know you come to church that that you know that there's nothing to, that needs to be done. Because you know we as the body of Christ will do it together. Um, and I just want to leave you with that so thank you uh, uh, next we have uh, Shannon Jones oh. okay thank you everyone my name is Shannon Jones um, I was going to talk about a scripture out of the book of Luke um, it's also in Matthew but I chose Luke because it's named after my boy Lucas which they said I couldn't call the book of Lucas, so I don't know. But, um, but it's a scripture about uh, following Jesus, and everyone's heard the story um, where the gentleman wants to follow Jesus, and he's like, you need to sell all your stuff, give it to the poor, and then you can come follow me. And, and it's about this rich man. And then I thought, you know what? I don't know anything about being rich, so I should pick a different scripture. So, so I turned back through the book of Luke um, to uh, Jesus' encounter with a couple of other individuals. And these, these spoke to me because one thing, I may not know about being rich, but I know about being busy. Uh, does anyone in here like know what it's like just to be busy yeah. and things going? So um, I believe it is in 9, uh, 58, 59, towards the end of Luke. Luke 9, 58, starts in 58, 59. But the first person wants to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, well, come follow me. And he says, but first, right, first I have to go bury my father. And Jesus tells them, let the dead bury the dead. Uh, so, again, everyone's probably heard that story. But to me, when I reflected on that, it wasn't, and I believe, it wasn't about the individual having to go bury the father. Right? It's not digging the hole and putting the person in the ground. It's all of the stuff that comes with the passing, right? There was, I'm sure there was paperwork. There was family issues. There was just stuff that had to be done. And so it was... It was all of this stuff that was busy, and I feel like what Jesus was telling them is, like, don't get sucked into that busyness. Like, if you want to follow me, then, then follow me. Then right following that, there's another individual that comes, 
and says, I will follow you, but first let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied to him, um, no one puts their hand to the plow and then looks back. Um, that's fit for service for the kingdom of God. So like this individual plowing and then looks back and now they're not fit for the service of God. But again, when I picture saying goodbye to the family and how he, he, he attributed to like pushing the plow, and again, it's this work. It was this checklist that this person wanted to do. Who did I need to say goodbye to? Who do I need to tell where all the passwords are? Who do I need to tell? Right? It's this busyness. So ultimately, the reason these resonate with me is through the course of the week, I feel I get very busy. And normally when I'm very busy, I begin to focus on very specific things that really, um, say, agitate me, right? Being kind of a bad attitude. I can become a very angry person. And so... Um, so anyone that knows me knows that if you work with me, right, I will help you. I will give you tasks to do. And some people who work with me say, do not give me busy work. Well, the problem is, is I don't like busy work either. So, of course, I'm going to give that to someone. But so the course of the week, what I think where I get frustrated is when I'm doing things and it's ju- you're just giving me busy work, right? And so the reason these scriptures really stuck into me is because that's what he's saying is like, what I should be doing is just focusing on what God wants, right? That's important. And so that really just resonated with me. And it was a good takeaway for me because I feel that when I am doing busy work and I'm very frustrated, for me, I'm focusing on the wrong things. When I take that step back and say, what am I really focusing on? I'm focusing on the stuff that doesn't matter. And when I can reframe, right, and refocus what I'm thinking about, even if it's as simple as saying, well, like, well, what would Jesus do? Right? Um, What's important in my life? What has God put in my life that's important? And what are the things that I've attached to that or that I've allowed others to attach to it? And if I can separate that and shift my focus, most of the time what I really find is joy. Right? I find the joy back in what my purpose is, what God's called me to do. I focus on the thing God's blessed me with, and my perception changes. So... I appreciate everyone allowing me to come to share uh, what, what God's revealing to me. And I would say if this is applicable to you, sometimes if you find yourself busy or frustrated um, or just like me, just mad sometimes, is take a step back and refocus. Because I feel if that's the case, you're probably focusing on the wrong thing and it's not important. And look to see what God really wants you to focus on. And if you do that, I think you will also find that joy. And we'll do it together. Thank you. And uh, so before I step down, I have the distinct pleasure of introducing Nicole Jones. Um, Hello, everybody. It's an honor to be able to share in the 7 and 7. And um, I'm just going to share a little bit about what uh, the lessons I've learned in the last few months. So I feel like I get up here and have to share what God's trying to work on me with. Um, So for this season of small groups, I committed to two different small groups. Um, Shannon and I did a marriage group at our house on Fridays, and I came to Freedom to, like, help with Freedom on Wednesdays. (laughs) I've done Freedom. This is my third time, and it's amazing to me how God works and speaks through the Freedom small group in my life every time, even when I come thinking I'm, like, just going to help, right? Um, So... I, we kind of joke that when we, when we volunteer for something that, that God's calling us to do, when we step up and say, okay, we'll do it, God typically does a big work in us, and um, um, I haven't gotten to the point where I'm scared to say yes because I know he's going to do something. I'm hoping to get to the point where I get excited about it, but this time um, I, something happened. Um, my circumstances in my job where it was something I didn't expect at all. And um, I started experiencing this difficulty in my job in the beginning of April, right in the middle of small groups. And I started feeling like really um, like a victim. And I really started feeling like this is an injustice. And I really started feeling like this is so unfair that I'm going through this. And when um, I would be... um, having a really bad day, it seemed like those really bad days or the really bad confrontations at work were happening on a Wednesday when Freedom met that night or on a Friday when we had our small group at our house. And it was 
this overwhelming feeling that I would get that I needed to stay home. I just needed, I deserved to just kick my feet up and watch something on TV and not go to small group. And it's crazy how that happens because I pushed through and I would, I would show up. And, I mean, of course, if you're having people to your house, you've got to show up, right? But I would show up and I would try to be present. And God did amazing things and spoke through the people I was in small group with in amazing ways. And it blew my mind because I thought um, I would leave small group. I would leave here on Wednesday nights, and I would think, and I wanted to stay home. And I thought I deserved to, like, kick my feet up tonight and not come. And um, I would have missed out on what God had on those nights had I listened to my flesh wanting to just not be here. Um, So I don't know if you can relate to that at all, but... But I'm just being completely honest and real, and that's what goes through my head when I'm having a bad day. So I started thinking and and preparing for today, who else has gone through bad times, right? The Bible is full of stories of people who have experienced injustices. The Bible is full of stories of people who have had bad days. And there's some very obvious ones. I choose to focus on the story of Joseph. Uh, the story of Joseph starts in Genesis 37, so I did not prepare anything on the screen. So if you want to read it, I would encourage you to read it. Genesis 37 is where it starts. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, pretty much out of jealousy. Um, he, served as a, he served as a slave. He, he made it into Potiphar's house. He was accused of, um, essentially I'm thinking, like raping Potiphar's wife. But he was accused wrongly. He was put in prison being accused wrongly. He served a lot of time there. Then a promise was made to him by some friends he made in prison that they would remind Potiphar that he was in there. And then they forgot for two years. Talk about injustice. Like, that is that sucks, <laughs> you know? Like, he was in this position, and none of this was his doing. Being falsely accused or... Um, being sold into slavery or being forgotten, none of that was his doing, but he was paying the price for it. And I just chose to focus on what he said at the end when God brought that whole plan all the way around. And he told his brothers um, at the end of the story, he told them, I have to look for it here, um, he told them, don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. And then after that, he said, so it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh. And that's where he ended up. Um, I have to look at the situation that, that I've experienced the past couple of months. And I have to say, this is God working in my life. And I can choose to view it as an injustice. And I can, view it, I can choose to view it as so unfair Or I can choose to ask God, what are you teaching me through this? And um, how are you going to bring about, like, the best for my life out of this situation? And I have to believe that. So I want to leave you with a challenge, and that is when you're you're going through through a struggle, when you're going through difficulties, don't let that keep you from showing up because... God has something big for you in it. So when you want to be like me and just, like, justify sitting on the couch and not going anywhere and not being around people, fight against that because he has something big for you when you, when you show up where he's asking you to. Thank you. Man, I am so proud of our team, so proud of you guys. Good job, each and every one of you. Um, when, when we do seven and seven, I'm always, I'm always listening for what is the common theme here, right? And sometimes it's very obvious. Sometimes it's like, I'm not really sure because God's doing a lot of different things, but here's what I know. Every season of our life, God wants to do something every season, the difficult, the fun, the hard, every season that we face, God is always wanting to do something in our life. If we'll open our eyes and just ask the question, like, you know, like Nikki said, what are you trying to do here? Right. And what did Veronica say? Uh, easy doesn't require faith. That is so good. Faith is not required when you're doing the easy. It's always required when you're doing something difficult. And sometimes standing in front of people, telling them your story, being vulnerable, being open, being honest, can be the hard thing. 
but it's in that, that that they grow, but also that you grow in, the, in those in those moments. And so um, I hopefully you guys take these to heart and just realize that whenever you're facing something, you're not the only one that ever faces that. Other people have faced what you're facing and have made it through. And so when you find yourself in a difficult situation, maybe ask some of the questions they asked. Like, what are you trying to do here, God? What is it that you're trying to show me? Help me not to miss this opportunity, right? Help me not to miss out what you're doing. I wrote a couple notes down that just stood stood out to me. And uh, it's really, I think one of the the main thing is when you have the right perspective, the right focus, as each one of these says, uh, each one of these uh, speakers communicated was when you have the right perspective, you can see what God's doing, you'll be able to make it through whatever it is that you're facing. Whether he's calling you to do something in ministry, some kind of purpose, he's calling you to, to learn something in the difficulty, uh, he's trying to lead you to, to, to accomplish something with your life. If we'll have the right perspective, uh, like Shannon said, right, it's, it's the focus that's going to lead to joy. It's not the things. And there's very, very few things that, are really, that really matter and required of us if we'll actually say, God, what is it that you want to do? in my life. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm going to end our service today. And uh, if you're in this room, my, my hope is that you're inspired by something that one of these communicators said. And I, and I always want to say this. Every single Sunday, every time you open the Bible, every time you come to church, would you just ask this question, God, what is that one thing that you're trying to do today in my life? What is that one thing you're trying to say to me? Because if you'll, if you'll listen for the one thing, he'll lead you on this journey where you become the best version of yourself. Uh, Marie mentioned this, right? It's not just existing. It's really living the abundant life, the best life you could possibly live. And that's the the life God wants to lead us to if we'll say yes to whatever he's asking us. And I I believe every single time you come to church, every time you pray or open your Bible, God wants to speak something. And if you have to just ask the question, what is that one thing? And then whatever that one thing is, whatever stood out to you, go do something with that today. Not tomorrow, not Wednesday. Do something with it right away and begin to maybe turn into prayer saying, God, here's what I think you're saying to me. Help me to do this this week, right? If you have the wrong perspective, God, help me to have the right perspective. If you're praying about purpose, you'd say, God, lead me to what you want me to accomplish in my life. If you're going through something hard, God, what is it you want me to learn? Whatever it was, just turn into a prayer, and then this week begin to say, God, help me to, to accomplish those things. So open the Bible, help me to accomplish those things. Do me a favor, would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? I always want to give an opportunity for those in the room that uh, maybe this is the, the, a moment of, of, of turning for you. It could be a turning point where maybe you're here today and you've been on a journey where you're, maybe you just need God in your life. Maybe you're walking away from him. Maybe you've been pursuing other things. And today I believe God would say, I want you to follow me. I want you to have the best life you could possibly have. And I don't want you to miss the opportunity where maybe today would be the day that you would say, God, I, I want to follow your lead. I want to go your direction. The Bible says that if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we'll believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, we will be saved. It's a confession of the heart, it's a, of the mouth, and it's a belief in the heart that really allows us to begin this journey with God. And so maybe you're here today and that's your starting point, saying, God, I want to turn my life over to you.